0: The two of them in another universe probably could have been friends, but in what universe would you be friends with an IRS auditor? One in which you have hot dogs. <laughs> <That,
1: that, that, laughs> when pigs fly, it's the new version. of Yeah, when, I, when hot dogs are my fingers, I'll be friends with you. We might have
2: just alienated a small sorry. handful of our listeners who are employed by the IRS. i I would totally be
0: friends with an IRS auditor.
1: Hello and welcome to Off the Books, where we surf the uncharted waters of accounting, finance, risk, and wherever else the waves take us. This episode is brought to you by Rakiva, the ESG risk reporting and compliance platform that simplifies your complex work and helps you traverse the multiverse without sticking something painful up your butt. Check it out at Rekiva.com slash podcast. My name is Mike Gravano, and I'm an off the books producer, recovering cherry Coke addict and today's host. I'm looking forward to debiting a great conversation today, and I'm very glad to have you hanging 10 with us. Today, we'll be continuing our accounting movie exploration with an unprecedented, unprecedented that's how you say that word. An unprecedented, unbracketed movie in honor of the upcoming, at this point, previous Academy Awards. We're recording ahead of time. We are talking about everything, everywhere, all at once. Possible best picture winner? With me, as always, are Catherine Sai, asker of questions and lover of venti chai lattes, and Steve Soder, diet cook, aficionado, and accounting enthusiast. With us today is special guest and former Off the Books host, Nick Kowski Nick, can you please tell the listeners what beverage controls your life and a little bit more about yourself?
3: We've got. I know we've got a, uh, a Diet Coke aficionado and a recovering Cherry Coke addict. I don't think I'm addicted to anything uh, except for PCP, of course. But in terms of drinks, uh, I cream soda. I go for a cream soda year round, which people think is strange during the winter. and It's hard to actually get in the winter, um, and I can't resist a like a craft cream soda that I'll see at a specialty shop, even though those are usually not very good.
1: Yeah, you just go for the classics. What is the classic? Right. What is your classic? I'm,
3: also, I'm addicted to anything. It's to movies, which is why I'm here now. As you said, I was a former, uh, off the books host, uh, marketer, longtime marketer that was, uh, you know, in your, your gravitational world, uh, a few years ago, but I remain there because movies are, are, uh, are my addiction and I'm, I'm here exercising some
1: therapy on that. Yes. Movies are life. Now uh, let's dive into everything, everywhere, all at once. Catherine, before prepping for this uh, podcast, what was your relationship to the movie?
0: I was really excited to see it because I've seen some of the videos that the directors have done before. And so I wanted to see what they could do with the movie. Nice.
1: Steve?
2: Uh, well, two things. We've already referred to this as an accounting movie. Let's be very clear. This is <laughs> not an accounting movie. And you I said so Ghostbusters very
0: disin- was an accounting movie.
2: Well, hey, look, it didn't make the brackets, wasn't under consideration. And this is disingenuous, I think, to our leaders. So under or to our listeners. So under protest, I am here participating in this. But to answer your question, I had no relationship with the movie. I think I had seen a still with the hot dog fingers which was mildly amusing, I will admit. But honestly, I knew nothing. I didn't even realize it was like a multiverse thing until I, under protest, watched it to prepare for this episode.
1: <laughs> and, and Nick, did you have a relationship with Yayo, as we'll call it simply, from here on out?
2: Right. Uh,
3: well, it came out about a year ago now, and <clears throat> I someone suggested it to me in opposition to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And so those were sort of compared because so they came out at the same time. And had similar thought. at face I mean, value,
1: yeah.
3: Right, right, yeah. Uh, oh, and I had seen the director's previous movie, um, *Swiss Army Man*. I was not aware th- that they were they had directed *Turn Down for What*, among other uh, music videos. Um, and you know, I I liked the gonzo bizarreness of of uh, uh, *Swiss Army Man*, but I I didn't know how that would 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 take on a sort of family generational drama and uh it it, it, it has, you know, it did. And so
1: Yeah, I think they grew up a lot in between Swiss Army Man and Yeah. You know,
3: well it's just a different type of movie. Yeah. Right. I think they realized we can they spun that bit out. I don't know if you've seen Swiss Army Man, but it's about Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe on a deserted island. It's been a while since I've seen it and Daniel Radcliffe I think is is
1: He's he dead. He can't move.
3: He can't. He's dead. But is is like can be used like a Swiss Army knife to a degree. He can be manipulated. Yes. And so it's like it's it's like Survivor at Bernie's. Uh, <laughs> in that they're, you know, they're they're trying. Paul Dano is trying to survive on this island with a a a tool. With the help and
1: of a magical a, corpse. It, right. <laughs>
3: And they they spun it out about as long as you possibly could. And actually, it's one of I don't have a whole lot of complaints like Steve about uh, today's movie. But it, it both are stretched the concept about as far as it possibly can. Uh, I don't know if there's much more room in either movie for them to go further than they did.
2: It's like an old general ledger, right? You are using it in ways it was never intended to be used, but yeah, there it. you are. Looping it back See? in. I'm bringing it back, guys. Aud- audience, you're welcome.
1: I'm bringing right, this you back. Know you will make this movie an accounting movie. We, we are holding <laughs> Steve right. back, so I think we're going to have to just dive in. <clears throat> Early in 2022, a little movie called Everything Everywhere All at Once came out to instant critical acclaim. Directed by the Daniels, known for music videos in their first feature film, which, as we said, centered on a superpowered farting dead Daniel Radcliffe, and starring Michelle Yao, Stephanie Hsu, Jamie Lee Curtis, and the return of the amazing Ke Huy Quan. The film follows a Chinese immigrant's family struggle with running a small business, relating to one another, and the imminent destruction of the multiverse. The movie has 11 nominations at the Oscars that just happened, including Best Picture, which is which makes it the most nominated film of the ceremony this year. Bookies, I ask you this. Before we dig into the film's handling of multiversal concepts, intergenerational trauma, uh, marriage, love, death, and everything else, does this count as an accounting movie? Catherine, we know what Steve has to say, so let's start with you.
0: I say yes. I mean, if we're saying Ghostbusters is an accounting movie, there is an auditor in this movie for like you know, more than 10 seconds. So I say this. She's a, a
1: reoccurring good. villain in so many of the different multiverses. Uh, she antagonizes them as a normal person. And then also as a lieutenant of the big bad of the movie. But that's less accounting than a more throwing staplers at her own head and others. Uh, I agree. I think this is as accounting as some of our other movies have been. Uh, I think it's more than moonlight, but I know Steve doesn't count that one either.
3: The central drama Let's takes check. place at the IRS. Uh, the, the the I don't know what Steve would qualify as an accounting movie, but because there is, to his point, very little accounting that happens on screen. But with the IRS agent being our main antagonist, such as well, I shouldn't say main antagonist. Uh, the inciting incident at least happens at the IRS building and much of the action takes place there. So I don't know if that means it's accounting adjacent, uh, but the, the audit process and the tax process is a central, uh, portion of the drama. Right. So again, I don't know what it takes to clear the hurdle, but, uh, and I will also say that I, those things are intentional. I don't think if you change this to something else, some other functionary like a DMV or, um, you know, I think those the you remove the tax element from the movie. The, the drama doesn't work. And if you change Jamie Lee Curtis's character into something else, uh, it's not quite the same. So I don't know if that that's an argument for. Right.
1: Because we'll, we'll unleash Steve in a second. But because Jamie Lee Curtis says uh She has her numerous Auditor of the Month awards. uh, And she says, you might see a pile of boring papers, but I see a story. And that's a a way the movie gets into telling the story of these people's entire lives numerous times. Steve, unleash. (laughs) Well... Just
2: another example of the stereotypical atta- accountant being used, right, as some tool for some story or some plot, conveniently so, which is fine. That's, that, you know, that's a recurring theme. I will concede, had we gone through the normal bracketing process and included this movie in our consideration, I, I, I do concede that this had just as much of a chance of making it as any other movie out there. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I get your point, Nick, about, Hey, if she wasn't, you know, an auditor with the IRS, if this wasn't happening at the IRS, could it still work? I see your point. Um, so I, I would have to concede it's conceivable, maybe that this could be as much of an accounting movie as Ghostbusters. But as much as I love Jamie Lee Curtis, she's no <laughs> Lois Tully. So well, I'm just going to say. I, that I right was there. thinking
1: about while watching this, Steve, is we talk about the the accounting stereotypes a lot, and I do think Jamie Lee Curtis's auditor goes against a lot of them she is uh you know she is not tiny she is she is not nebbish <laughs> she she is very domineering and uh, kind of controls the situation and so what what stereotypes is she hitting for you in an uncomfortable way
2: Well, so, so actually what's funny is that I think you're right. She didn't, she didn't hit the stereotypes that we have typically considered and discussed, uh, smallish, um, impish Impish, almost, I I would sort of say, or either, or either, yeah, either like super geeky. She was very domineering, but that actually would be to me, the stereotypical audit. We, we, we haven't really gotten down into like those very categories. C- correct. So, so actually, when I saw that, and, and it was funny down to the, this is, I don't know if you call this crude, but even down to like the ill fitting mm. clothing, you, you know what I mean? That like was intentionally made to reveal, you know, maybe a little bit of extra weight around that. Like, like to me, like they totally nailed it. I mean, they just, having sat across from a lot of grumpy <laughs> auditors over the years, they totally nailed it. Not to say that they're all out of shape. That's not, that's not what I'm trying to say. We're talking about stereotypes. But it felt to me like there was some yes. very, correct. And some very deliberate things that they did where even for somebody like me, I was like, okay, yeah, you know what? They, they, they nailed it. They got this person. I,
3: I thought her was,
0: dance moves kind of rivaled Lewis Tully's.
3: <laughs> I think she was based on a real person or at least her character design is based, based on a real person. I think I saw this on Reddit or something that there was a still of an auditor or, you know, some other sort of functionary who's made up and from, um, from hair to costume the exact same way oh, wow. that Jamie Lee Curtis
2: is. Oh, the, the, the wrist thing, yeah. right? Yeah. The and brace for carpets? Oh, yeah. yeah. Little yeah. details. The,
3: the, right. I think they, they, she is a lot of people in this movie, but her in particular are very well defined within the movie.
1: Yeah, I, I think that that's part of what, what made this movie hit as hard is that these are these are real people. These aren't fantastical heroes doing things with like one personality note they uh even before we get into different versions of universe uh selves the they are well shot dimensioned fired,
3: uh, while you're wearing a model shirt
1: look that's uh as, as a true fan i can have gripes <laughs> uh and i do uh though i liked Multiverse madness dark. uh i like yeah, saying no i
3: think that, that's why this I mean, because it is a fantastic story. We do not go through the multiverse all the time, but it worked because it's rooted in these people who we care about, and we learn to care about them because of those little details. We got to—I mean—you take a still of Jamie Lee Curtis's office or cubicle space, and you get to know so much about her for the things we talk about. The risk thing—I mean, everything about it is designed to. She's the the roadblock in the way, and Michelle, Yao's you know, uh characters the same way. Her whole entire family is really well uh, distinguished, and I think there's something universal about its family drama or family family issues. Uh, but then that we can all connect with, and then also this is not my experience. Obviously, something very specific about immigrant experience, the Asian American immigrant experience, and I think that's another reason why the tax thing is by design. Uh, I mean. Again, I, I, not that this speaks for every Asian American uh, immigrant experience, but the tax nightmare, they live in the building where their business is. Um, the, you know, the, I think there's a lot of anxiety, as, and I can certainly understand it, putting myself in the place of leaving my home and moving someplace else, that you build this life and this business and if you don't click the right box, which is, by the way, in a different language than the one you understand or the one you grew up learning, you it could all be taken away or that there, you know, there'd be huge consequences or whatever else. And so I think that moment when she first learns about that multiverse, that anxious moment that we really want her to come through and have all the receipts and all the things she's supposed to have for the audit is you, ubiquitous. We all don't want to be audited, but I think very specific. Uh, to a, a small business owner from a different culture, in which you are nervous that the bureaucracy that is hard to navigate, even if you are a native speaker, is going to spit you cheer you up and spit you out.
1: And and it's the, this kind of audit is one of those moments where you go like, it'd be nice to be any other version of me if I wasn't on the verge of divorce. And then we the the each receipts. Wayman says it about Evelyn. He's like she confuses hobbies with careers and then her different hobbies that we see in those receipts she's trying to write off are different versions of ourselves um steve yes
2: well you know what's funny actually just just as a super geeky accounting thing on that she could have written off the karaoke machine if you were hosting a party and karaoke was like a thing that you were doing while people were like hey come do karaoke while you're doing your laundry great totally qualifies don't need a Schedule C because you probably already had one for your dry cleaning or laundromat business. I love that. Also, I would
1: live at the karaoke laundry place. I would go there all the time. Sure. Note to our, our laundromat-owning listeners here, get a karaoke yeah. machine. Mike will be there. Today's episode of Off the Books is brought to you by Workiva. But I'm not here to talk about Workiva. I'm here to talk about grilled cheese sandwiches. Have you ever thought about how perfect, yet so simple, the humble grilled cheese is? It's just bread and butter and cheese, but it is so much more. It melts. It stretches. It is gooey, which is not an adjective I use lightly, dear listener. More importantly, it pairs well with all sorts of delicious things. Tomato soup? Oh, absolutely. Onions and prosciutto? You know it. Peanut butter and fig newtons? I have not tried that, but I'm sure it wouldn't be that bad. The point remains, things are better when you combine good things with other good things, which is the whole basis of the Workiva platform. Bring your SOX compliance and internal audit and SEC reporting and ESG needs and all that other financial and non-financial work into the same platform and heavenly flavors will emerge from the ether and angels will sing. Yes, Workiva. Get gooey with it and learn more at workiva.com slash podcast. Uh, before we move on from the the accounting move or not did it was it stereotypical or did you like that aspect, Steve, of the I see a story here and then like kind of the investigative side of it, the auditor's life trying to from who these people are just from the stacks of papers.
2: Oh, no, I I loved it because actually that's what they will teach you as an auditor. And whether you're auditing individuals, which there could often be personal stories behind that, but even a business. I mean, that's actually one of the first things that they would teach you is before you start digging into accounts and testing and all that stuff. Hey, just take a step back. Understand the business, understanding the story what are what is the company trying to do, not even with the assumption that it's nefarious or wrong, just what is the company trying to accomplish, and then use that in order to sort of guide like hey where you think you need to go as an auditor? so actually ah, crap see you're talking me at have yes <laughs> no, actually from that standpoint, I found that to be pretty accurate
1: is it that they were the villains is that did that rub you the wrong way that they start off as the antagonist?
2: Um, no, not really, because it's the IRS. And number one, I'm not a tax person. So so tax is the villain for me. Like, like very different, you know, I'd say gap accounting and tax accounting, super different. So for me, actually, the fact that they were associated with tax and they were the villain, no concern whatsoever. Made perfect sense to me. If you're holding your
3: breath for the positive internal revenue service movie, you may be be
1: turning (laughs) blue. Exactly. When is somebody going to be brave enough to make that movie? The real hero uh yeah let's we're, we've been jumping around or, or circling around rather uh our next topic, and we're going to dive in is what what I'm thinking of themes versus high concept Catherine does the like I think this is hitting a lot of hard hitting themes a lot of Oscar bait movies do play with I, I think that the the stories of an immigrant family of a of a of a couple in divorce of a, a child moving away uh and then it's couched in this everything bagelness of Paper cut yourself and be become a new version to fight. Uh, do you think the concept ever gets in the way of the themes or do they kind of augment each other?
0: I thought it kind of augmented each other and you're right. It does get into a lot of different themes that also like the parent child relationship. Do they understand each other? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think they all kind of build upon each other. There's also the theme of like, um, the choices that you make in life and which path you should have taken.
1: This, to me, felt like a uh, modern, a uh, fantastical update without a sex pest version of American Beauty. I think Evelyn's going through very similar things Kevin Spacey's character went through in American Beauty. Uh, but I think, societally, we're kind of sick of white dudes, uh, and we've seen that kind of story so how can you tell it new is uh it's a, a new kind of protagonist uh middle-aged uh chinese-born woman awesome we don't see enough of that and michelle yao is an amazing actress and add some universe hopping and now we're like okay these are enough twists on the story i've seen a thousand times let's do it and it feels fresh and new yeah
0: well, it's nice to have storytellers i guess from different backgrounds as well so that's probably part of why we haven't seen this story before is we haven't allowed directors, the budgets to be able to tell their own stories and now it's, it's happening. So good to see.
3: I, I mean, all that's true, but it works because it follows storytelling principles of these were real people as opposed to, I mean, I think the representation factor is wonderful. Even better is that they are, that, are real characters that we can, that have flaws and have, you know, almost everybody, uh, except for one of the alpha Verse Waymans almost has personality problems and has caused some of their own issues, including the person we're really rooting for Michelle Yao's character. Um, you know, and so instead of being a lot of times with representation, you get sort of perfect versions where, you know, the, 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 uh, They've, they've got nothing to learn. In fact, their entire job is to overcome the barriers that society has put in front of them, uh, and that's less interesting to me uh, because I want to see character arcs are just as important. What happens in the multiverse to me is less important than what happens in that little laundromat in the in the universe that we're used to, and that required her to take a emotional journey. Yes, it. it, it I think it's great and. Uh, more than admirable that it's from different perspectives and you're getting to see that. But even better is that it told a compelling story on its own um, where, where people grew and made changes and could actually spur an audience member to be like, oh, in what ways, even though this person doesn't look like me or had my same experience, what ways can I better myself based on seeing her better herself, you know? Uh-
0: I would agree. There are some universal themes. There's just told from a different perspective, different, different lens. Yeah. yeah and then, then the, the, the
1: way forward, go ahead. When, when you're creating, if you, if you're on the creating side, they, they say like, I, I think an early, whether you're a filmmaker, a poet or a writer, an early flaw is like, well, I'm going to take details out to make it universal specific is universal. That's right. How specific each one of these people is why you felt it. And even if you're like, well, I've never owned a business. Uh, it does not matter. You're seeing the struggles they're going through and they are very specific to them and it makes it feel real. And that's what does it versus if they flattened it all out. Right. Well, um,
3: I mean, how many of us have bought our, our space robot dad in outer space, but Star Wars remains a, you know, something for everyone. I'm just using that right. as an example, but none of us are Captain America. None of us are all these heroes.
1: Well, Some of us Uh, might
3: be all different stripes and types, um, but they tell universal stories in a specific way. Exactly. Like you said, because again, not my experience, but I can recognize, especially as a parent, uh, you know, she's in such a, I think the, the title refers to how she's feeling when she first sits down at the, at the IRS office, everything, everywhere, all at once is she's getting divorced. She's got these problems at the, um, at the laundromat, uh, her, she's losing her grip on her daughter, such as she's pushing her daughter away in a way she can't understand. Her, her father, played by the wonderful, legendary James Hong, uh, you know, disapproves of almost everything she's done in the last 30, 40 years, and she's having a hard time, so she's got that generation coming down on her, and her daughter is reacting in is not appreciating the sacrifices that she's made. I mean, looking at both sides, that divide, Uh, she can't quite understand the culture that her daughter's grown up with. And her daughter is is unable to to recognize, um, you know, that her her mother, both parents have have made a space for the culture she so embraces now. Uh, Anyway, those things are specific, but also totally understandable to almost anyone with a a beating heart. Right.
2: Steve? So... Well, I was, I was just going to ask I, – and I, by the way, I completely agree with the specificity being the part that that makes it relatable. I guess my question is in the uh, variety of universes that were out there and, – and I'm actually not saying this is a joke – then how do you – where do you place the hot dog fingers – where she's having a relationship with this IRS. That to me felt it was funny. And it was actually a bit of a break in some of the seriousness or kind of intensity. But how do you put that within the context of what you're saying? Because to me, that was very not specific. That was goofy. And clearly it was intended to be goofy, but okay. I don't see how my choices could end up giving me hot dog food. Maybe, I don't know, but maybe just me, not somebody else
1: i i think and i might be too in the bag to be like well that takes away from the themes but i do think they eat they they're like okay so in this one she's a movie star uh in this one she's just a more successful uh business owner and so it goes and they're like how do we show it even more so there's the rakakuni one and the hot dog fingers one are like the, the pushing it to the limits of and the rock universes so it's not and the Oh, yeah, and The yeah, Rocks. yeah, yeah the and rocks. So it's not all Evelyn's choices that got her there, right? So something early on made Hot Dog Fingers happen. And so I think the Hot Dog Fingers are, are one of the goofiest visual gags. I love it. But what it said to me is if you truly take time to know a person, you will see that there's something to love about them. And that's so... I think Deirdre is Jamie Lee Curtis's character and Evelyn. In another world, if they weren't across from this table, they could have been lovers. They could have... Been each other's support system. So I took it it's the same like,
0: way, where it was like the two of them in another universe probably could have been friends. But in what universe would you be friends with an IRS auditor? One in which you have hot dogs. <laughs> that, <laughs>
1: that, right. that, no, when pigs fly, it's the new version of yeah. When I, when hot dogs are my fingers, I'll be friends with you.
2: We might have just alienated a small sorry. handful of our listeners who are employed by the IRS. I'm our, sorry, apologies. I would totally be
0: friends with an IRS auditor. Uh,
3: if I you're, feel, every if time I we mention hot, hot dog fingers, we all bring our hands close. Yeah,
1: I mean, you can't not. <laughs> as if we're
3: hoping that, that yeah. Oh. I mean, if, your, if your question was, did the did the extracurricular stuff augment or take away from the very earthbound themes? I think it was a little, I agree with uh, Catherine, but overall, I found that to be the case. But there were a few parts where I lost my patience with it. I could have done a little bit less development of the hot dog finger world or the rock world uh, all the the no, stuff, will, though I want Fisticuffs.
1: was that I said fisticuffs over the rock world I, I think one I think hot dog fingers is a stepping stone to the pinata yeah. and rocks yeah
3: and well, I, I saw what it was doing I just it it uh, it didn't balance it quite enough for me I was like I kind of mm-hmm. think I got it we can we can go back to the uh,
1: see the man I think for me the most emotional scene in the entire movie is when joy and evelyn are rocks yeah i know it, and and yeah. it's how i i feel like for that like and like you can see some kind of uh directors experiment like they're experimenting and trying to see if something works and for me it did where like let's there's no music there's no dialogue there's no actors to sell this can just two stones sell this human emotion of what it, it it's so isolating to be a person and and for me it, it sold it uh
3: and uh, maybe only because it's the only moment when the movie sort of slowed down. Once we start, once the roller coaster began in the multiverses, that was, uh, you know, just from a change of pace, pretty powerful.
1: Is there, is there anything? I mean, there's probably so much we could dig into. We could dig into each, each character over and over again. Um, let's stay we, we haven't talked about Wayman that much. Cause you said uh, yeah. earlier, Nick, that, uh, everybody has flaws. It feels like the movie is often saying his positive outlook Evelyn's flaw is not being able to see his positive outlook, but do you, do you guys see any flaws in him being only positive all the time?
3: It is interesting considering they get divorced in the first five minutes or they get, he serves through with divorce papers. So at least she's looking at them that there's the real inner, interpersonal conflict is between her and Stephanie Sue, the daughter. Uh, so it's, it they kind of, I shouldn't say drop it as if that's what they should have been focusing on. But they don't work too much, work that out as much, or at least they do that in a more action-packed way. Uh, so I don't know if I'm answering your question, except to say that I don't know if the movie was that focused on on what I guess the parlance of the day would be toxic positivity. Uh, but the you know I, I'm sure that that would become great from from Emily's perspective. I can see how that would be annoying after 30 years of things falling apart and then being told how great it was.
1: Catherine, you had a. I want to say something. Nose twitch there.
0: <laughs> it didn't bother me. I think in terms of uh, balancing out, maybe Evelyn's character it's probably needed.
2: Well, and I think that that at the beginning there was this obnoxiousness of it. Like, what planet is this guy on? But then only after that roller coaster and then you sort of really see the totality of what was really happening by that time the scenes, then it becomes somewhat grounding and certainly endearing for the character. I, I, I To me, that was a distinct kind of like flip is sort of that when he kind of became that person again towards the end and then you really saw it within the context of everything else. Oh, OK. You know what? Now I'm seeing really the role that he's playing that I didn't see at the beginning, but Evelyn probably wasn't seeing it either.
1: Right. It's it's. I think the reason it focuses on Evelyn and Joy's issues is she cares in theory that Waymond is going to leave her. But I think they, they are roommates and business partners who don't really get along. It seems like they have been in a long time, but she's losing. She's losing Joy. I think there's a reason her daughter's name is Joy. She is losing joy if her daughter leaves her life and uh, where she doesn't seem to have a lot in the beginning. Yeah, the the Wayman's line towards the end is when he's dying, he's like, the only thing I know is we have to be kind, especially when we don't know what's going on. And if there isn't a more 2022 message uh, when everything seems uh, upended and all over the place, I think it's like, let's just be kind, even when we're confused and scared. Uh, man. Yeah. I could talk about this movie forever. I love it so much, but I think we're going to wrap things up with our awards. And so we will start as we always do with best accounting moment. Steve, our naysay.
2: Um, well, actually it was the same one that, uh, it was the same one that, that you actually kind of queued up or you didn't say it as the best accounting moment, but it was when, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis as the auditor says, Hey, you know, you may only see a pile of however she says it, boring forms and numbers, but I see a story, you know, with nothing but just a stack of receipts, I can tell exactly what's going on in your life. Uh, and I would say that for the astute auditor and accountant, that is generally the case. Uh, to me, that was probably the crispest connection to uh, you know, at least what I would consider to be pretty important part of accounting and definitely auditing for sure.
1: And then I think set up her, why she gave them another chance. Cause as you said, I think she can see everything that's going on in their life. So even though she's not like, I think you guys have marital problems. I think she sees it all. <laughs> and so she's like, I'll give you another chance. Like, cause she is yeah. not actually a monster. Right. Catherine, what about you?
0: It's the moment when Jamie Lee Curtis's character shows off her awards and she says, you don't get one of these unless you've seen a lot of bull.
1: <laughs> and I agree. Nick, what is your best accounting moment?
3: Really, the only accounting happens in that first uh, interaction, uh, you know, between Jamie Lee Curtis and the whole extended family. Uh, and that, you know, that, that, that scene bristled with anxiety and drama and tense, uh, you know, uh, suspense. So that was one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie anyway. And you feel so, even though you know she's got to go into the multiverse to continue this... Um, Uh, the story and that's what you're here for. You're like, no, you're going to blow it in front of the auditor. You you know, uh, we we really want her to succeed in that moment.
1: Yeah, very much so. All right. Pound for pound performance, no matter how much screen time they had, who does the best? Catherine, let's
0: start with you. This is so hard to choose among the the four main characters. Yeah. I'll, I'll probably say he Kwan just because I think for all of them, they had to play different versions of themselves, sometimes in the same scene, but even in the same shot. And I think Keekwon did such a good job of that. And then actually I was watching the movie with my husband and there was the part where his character, Wayman, is, um, you know, where he's all dressed up in the suit and all fancy. My husband Mm -hmm. thought that was a totally different actor.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, because just down to his posture, I'm so glad we have him back. He's going to be in the next Indiana Jones movie, which comes out on my birthday. I'm, I'm excited he's back. In well, the, you say
3: back, but you know he he quit acting, and but he was on. You know, he worked on the one with Jet Li. He was assistant mm-hmm. director on some Wong Kar Wise films. So he's been in the bit, I and mean, I think that's why he pulls off. That was my, and I didn't know that. And I was so amazed at how good he was at the at the fighting aspect. Of right, it. I was like that's not a skill you pick up for one movie. So he, but clearly he's been a part of the, uh, sort of Hong Kong. Um, uh, I think it's good used of, uh, fighting, uh, film culture. Yeah, so He choreographed actually, the
1: first X-Men movie. Like, yeah, he's, he's been behind right. the scenes for a long time, but he's back. Uh, yeah. Nick, what, what is your best performance? I'm gonna go with
3: Michelle, Yeoh, um, potentially Oscar winner, Michelle. Yeoh. I don't think she, I think Cate Blanchett's the favorite in that category, but she's, won the SAG award and a couple other things. It was very deserved. She's got to keep the whole thing. It, it, it does. It cannot work without her. Uh, yes. Wayman's role and Jamie Lee Curtis's role and Stephanie Sue's role are way more showy, uh, which is funny considering that Michelle Yeoh kicks butt throughout the entire movie, but <clears throat> she's got to both be credible in all these different things as a meek, um, you know, beaten down by life. Uh, tired person and, you know, a, a world beater, a opera singer, a movie star, uh, and as a confused mother who d- can't tell Ratatouille from Raccoon Cooey, you know, she's got to pull all those things off. So uh, I thought she did, it was incredible.
1: And Steve?
2: Uh, you know what? I would agree with Catherine. I think it was Kee And actually, um funny that your husband had that same reaction i did too i was like hey wait is that him and and i knew it had to be him just with you know the progression of the scene and the movie and everything else but but it actually took me a second um and funny mike that you actually brought up indiana jones that was actually my first childlike reaction like yeah hey, short round <laughs> this is gonna be great
1: you still got it my, mine i think it, it may be because i expect michelle yao and 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 uh what's the dad's name you said it earlier nick the the legendary james James hong Hong. but stephanie shu blew me away because she she's so new she comes from the new york comedy scene she she's an improviser background and to be able to hold and be distraught and malevolent and goofy like she crushed it um and yeah i was i was incredibly impressed by her
0: she really sells some of those emotional moments too just like the fact of like you know, like your parents, they sacrifice everything to make your dreams happen as your child. But then, like as we saw in the movie, they're kind of like giving up their dreams in order to make your dreams happen. So uh, that that got me so that. much, right? Yeah,
3: and the, the, you didn't ask for that. I mean, from her perspective, it's like I, you really asked this big question of how much do children owe their parents? Yes, they mm-hmm. make this great sacrifice, but none of us asked to be brought into the world. None of us were consulted on that. Um, you know, it it handles that on two different generations. Because again, I think Michelle Yao is trying, or Evelyn is trying to balance her father's approval. which She'll never give back with the way she handles her increasingly Americanized daughter. Uh, Right. it's, It's very good.
1: And we will end our awards with best scene or worst scene, whichever flavor you're going after. Catherine, let's kick it off with you.
0: Let's go with the fanny pack fight scene.
1: And that's best?
0: Yeah. Hell yeah,
1: it is. <laughs> when he puts the fish rocks in the fanny pack, you're like, oh, they are screwed. <laughs> <laughs> He's bringing out the fish rocks. <laughs> Nick, what did it for you?
2: Uh, raccoon Cooey.
3: I thought that whole thing was so funny. That was one of the things. I mean, I know I, on one side I'm saying, no more hot dog fingers. That's too goofy. And the other side I'm like, more Raccoon content. Uh, <laughs> is. In fact, what are we doing with this generational stuff? Let's just let's get these... Let's do
1: everything about Rack and cooey. I just thought it was fabulous.
2: <laughs> Steve? Uh, you know what? Actually, I, I was going to say the exact same thing other Rack and Cooey, which I realize is a little less than satisfying for listeners. So I'll give you my second best, and that is Jamie Lee Curtis playing Claire de Lune with her feet on the yes. piano nice. because she has hot dog fingers. So how do you play Claire de Lune with hot dog fingers? Well, my son plays that it? song. Well, my son plays this so I love it when he does, and I actually love to watch his fingers move, so seeing her do that with a foot, and I'm not sure if that was a real foot, you know, I have no idea how yeah. they did that in the movie, but sure. I thought that was fabulous.
3: Uh, I just love the idea that the universe is so shifted that our fingers are hot dogs, but yeah, Debussy could still compose, we still generated something that would require digits <laughs> like that. Right. That exact same turn. <laughs>
1: Uh, mine, I said earlier. I think it's. I think it is that rock scene. Um, if it's not that, it's the fight between the two security guards, and it's just the the game of what other the, when they're fighting over. So she's like, "Don't let it shove him up his butt," because then he'll become even more dangerous. And the other guy runs and jumps from over three cubicles to land on. All of that That's is so it. hilarious, while being an awesome action scene. Uh, that that is our show. Uh, this is not going to be eligible for the uh bracket because it was unseated much to steve's dismay uh maybe congratulations if it won all these awards because this will come out after
3: Yeah, it
1: it
3: can't go further in this bracket but it will have to settle for the academy award
1: which
2: is itself i think an august accomplishment so let's not minimize that right Uh,
1: sometimes uh, Nick, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. And big thanks to you, dear listener, for surfing along with us. Big thanks to Catherine Science, Steve Soder. Of course, this has been Off the Books presented by Wikiva. Please subscribe, leave a review. Tell your buddies if you like the show. Stand off in the comments if you're watching on YouTube. And feel free to drop us a line off the books at OffTheBooks at Surf's up. And we'll see you on the next wave.